0: Welcome to the Let's Talk Data podcast series presented by SAP. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season four of Let's Talk Data. My name is Ginger, and our title today is about Modernizing Analytics with Machine Learning for Supply Chain Efficiency. And today I'm super excited because we have two key partners for us that are really leading the way um, with machine learning and supply chain efficiency. We have Inspired Intellect and Red Hat here today. And Alex, uh, why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about Inspired Intellect and then introducing everyone who's gonna be talking today.
1: Okay, thank you, Ginger. Uh, Inspired Intellect is a end-to-end data management and analytics consultancy where we focus on business outcomes for our clients through the mastery of analytics and transforming their data insights into meaningful business outcomes. Uh, As such, we work across uh, the paradigms of uh, broad technology spectrums, uh, on-prem, as well as cloud solutions. As such, we partner with leading-edge technology providers, including Red Hat. With me today is Brian Montero, who is our chief data scientist, and I'm excited to have Ted Jones from Red Hat today. Uh, Ted, if you could introduce yourself.
2: Hi. I'm Ted Jones, I'm SAP architect at Red Hat. Red Hat uh, provides a uh, support for AI, both at the edge and at the data center with our leading Kubernetes platform as a service, OpenShift. Uh, We also provide storage via OpenShift container storage, enabling block file and object storage. Uh, which can be exposed either internally or externally on Kubernetes clusters. And this allows us to uh, create, while also working with applications and machine learning platforms like SAP Data Intelligence, running across hybrid scenarios uh, on OpenShift, for example. Uh, Alex, we were chatting earlier, and you, you mentioned workload modernization as one of the key elements of modernizing analytics. Can you describe more about what you mean by workload
1: modernization? Sure. So a lot of the work that we've been doing over the years has been implementing new technology. And we are very reverent at Inspired Intellect about the term legacy because we helped implement a lot of that legacy. But what we've noticed is um, as technology gets implemented, a lot of uh, business use cases get pushed, pushed onto technology that may or may not be best fitted for it. And as technology evolves, some workloads get pushed onto these technologies that may not be really optimized for that technology. So workload modernization really focuses on applying the best class uh, technology in its best evolution towards a business outcome through a workload implementation. It's a way to uh, walk before you run, a way to, you know, kind of eat the elephant one bite at a time by taking specific workloads, focusing on the technology that's best suited for that workload, and doing the digital transformation journey in the context of a business perspective as opposed to a technology perspective. So as we modernize these workloads, we are modernizing business outcomes and we are positioning the platforms and the frameworks that the technologies can then continue to build on. I hope that uh, kind of clarifies the workload modernization approach. To continue you know, as an example, workload modernization uh, as a quick example takes into account things like the new innovations of cloud technology, being able to move from traditional capital to additional expense. And then an OPEX model where you are paying for only what you use, and you are able to scale dynamically for when you need the scale. And that is one of the core paradigms of cloud um, platforms and the technologies that are uh, developed on cloud. Especially cloud native uh, solutions that are truly able to take advantage of that technical paradigm. But just moving a technology from one platform to another doesn't necessarily uh, solve a business problem. Moving a business problem and the workloads associated to that business problem to take advantage of some of these innovations allows our customers to really move forward in their business operations, either, optimizing that business operation or perhaps evolving it and maturing it to a level that couldn't be executed on before. So that kind of defines what we believe uh, workload modernization and the approach associated to that is. And um, Brian, maybe if you could add some of the examples of workload modernization in the context of supply chain and how we have seen our clients adopt that and being challenged by the um, industry um, challenges of supply chain
3: excellent excellent points that you've made there alex and and you know i would like to take this opportunity to to showcase how uh, advanced analytics um, has played a, a role in the workload modernization right advanced analytics is sort of being uh, looked at as the engine that will drive business growth uh, by you know leveraging this data uh, at the same time you know, when we look across some of our clients and many of our clients for that matter. Um, We're finding that um, they're not yet uh, sure how to assess their, you know, analytics maturity uh, and where they should begin their journey. And and even more importantly, where does that journey lead them to, right? Um, We still see, in fact, we still see many enterprises running their business on what we call descriptive analytics or, um, it's often referred to as hindsight analytics or reactive analytics, which essentially focuses on uh, what the what has happened. Uh, it's a bit like you know running your business by driving your car and and looking um, through the rearview mirror, right? Certainly not ideal, um, but many enterprises that we work with are literally at that point. So when we talk about transforming uh, to uh, a proactive-based decisioning, um, we have to start with recognizing the reasons why certain events in a business or an enterprise happen. And, and, and from there, you know, even mature up to when are they likely to happen next. And this is the realm of uh, predictive analytics that many enterprises are, are focused on uh, sort of building out, right? Uh, outside of predictive analytics, you, uh, and, and sort of moving up from there, uh, you, have, you enter the, uh, the space of prescriptive a- analytics where the algorithms are sort of helping and recommending you know, decisions and actions to business users and prescribing to them how they should respond to, to certain predictive events. And and what we've sort of explained here is is that that ladder of descriptive to uh, to predictive, and moving on to prescriptive uh, might be phrased in a sequential manner, um, but but an enterprise may have certain business processes at different levels of maturity on that ladder, uh, and in fact, it is sometimes even acceptable for a business process to. Entirely skip over a step in that maturity ladder and, for example, leap from descriptive directly into uh, prescriptive analytics. And so to, to make that point, let me uh, walk you through a few examples in the supply chain uh, um, industry sector. Let me begin with uh, one that we are intimately familiar with Um, globalization has 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 led to uh, many industries relying on suppliers across the globe and in the recent months we've seen those supply chains tremendously impacted uh, by the ability to to move product from point a to point b and and so several enterprises are now focused on what's called mitigating supplier risk they're faced with unknowns they're faced with market uncertainty um, uh, but at the same time they're not quite certain what actions and what decisions are they going to to take uh, in the con suppliers uh for example are we are they are they looking at uh, you know uh, re- sort of reducing uh, the list of suppliers that they work with? or maybe reallocating their their global supply chain in a way that that, uh, accounts for both near-shore as well as offshore opportunities, right? And so um, as organizations work through this, they're looking at what types of data are available. Uh, They're still trying to understand uh, the complexity of the problem they're dealing with. And, And so it's not uncommon to find enterprises that are looking at mitigating supplier risk uh, you know, rightfully at the descriptive analytics uh, end of the spectrum uh, in the maturity ladder. They're literally feeling their way through this maze. On the other hand, if you take a uh, a business use case like uh, fulfilling orders, uh, we've seen the growth of e-commerce as well as digital tracking in the context of logistics and, and, and the supply chain make... <clears throat> wealth of data available uh, we are well suited to start utilizing those data assets uh, to build out predictive models that um, might predict the likelihood of an order uh, being reaching late we've seen uh, firms like amazon make uh, very good use of this type of data as well as other um, large enterprises in the 3pl logistics space like ups um, as well as your neighborhood you know pizza delivery vendor is now using tracking uh, uh, you know, delivery tracking to 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 uh, enable them to identify which orders need to be processed first ahead of others because of the delivery risk and then finally on 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 the on the uh, far side where you would expect enterprises to be very mature. Uh, as in the in the example of demand forecasting, um, where there's been a wealth of research, uh, you would anticipate that uh, the domain of demand forecasting is very well placed uh, to take the leap into prescriptive analytics. But as we've seen in the in the recent few months, um, those demand forecasts have not quite materialized into appropriate inventory management strategies or replenishment strategies, because they're really looking at data in, uh, from a historical stable environment. Uh, they've not quite accounted for um, the market shocks that we are experiencing um, at the moment as uh, you know, infections and, and, and the rise of mortality spreads across the globe. And and hotspots, uh, infection hotspots wax and wane. Uh, those have an impact on uh, product demand, and and through uh, sort of the cross product interactions, you'd expect that um, they may have sort of trickle down effects on other products as well, availability of other products as well. Uh, so these are uh, very critical pieces that one needs to work through, and. Um, you know, we'd we'd love to be able to to share more with with you, and you know, perhaps Alex, you could you could uh, <clears throat> lead us into a little discussion around use case rationalization and 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 how we can uh, explore uh, you know uh, use cases with with our clients.
1: Yeah, I think, Brian, you, you mentioned several points that I want to maybe um, touch back on. One of them is the idea of the rationalization uh, that talks about what exactly are the the key uh, attributes identifying workload disposition for modernization, right? At a, at a matrix kind of level, there is that value versus viability perspective. It's the idea of I don't necessarily want to change something because I'm able to change it, or drive change towards something that I may not have a clear value proposition for. On the other hand, there are some very valuable activities that I may want to drive that I'm not very well positioned to change. For example, you know, if I have a very deep desire for embedding analytics into a portion of my supply chain process, but I do not have the data or I do not have the platforms that allow me to scale up to the performance needs that I need for that data to be processed at, I may find myself challenged by the fact that I have a very good use case that I cannot execute on. And that is one of the things that we want to help our uh, our clients work through. And this, these are complicated uh, topics and issues, and we definitely don't recommend doing it alone. You know, bring in a partner, bring in an expert, and we can help with that. But to touch on some of the other things that you mentioned about COVID, for example, one of the things that we believe, uh, and I'm interested to see if maybe um, you and Ted both have a perspective on this, uh, that says really did is exposed uh, the gaps and the latency that we have taken uh, to mature in certain areas for example in the case of machine learning what COVID has really exposed to us is our over perhaps on historical data for analytical uh, modeling where when that historical pattern is significantly disrupted like in the case of the pandemic um, what are the alternate approaches and as these disruptions are so significant, you know, what kind of platforms and technologies and architectures should we have already adopted in order to quickly pivot and adjust to them above and beyond the fact that there is clear value uh, in executing a specific use case or a specific uh, process change.
3: That's a great point, Alex. Uh, I completely agree. I mean, as, as you move into the realm of uh, predictive and prescriptive analytics, you will increasingly encounter uh, what I call the need to uh, compare and contrast different models. Uh, um, right. I mean, the recent months we've, we've seen that, um, you know, the um, models that have been built on uh, historical data, which has has been relatively stable can can very quickly run into uh, rough ground in the face of uh, you know disruptive market events. And so that ability to to be able to respond in an agile manner in a very nimble fashion uh, and and be able to uh, you know compare and contrast and explore Uh, the influence of market events on your decisions, on your predictions, uh, cannot be more emphasized, right? And uh, what that means is that you need this maturity, a certain level of maturity that uh, recognizes that advanced analytics really ought to be treated very much like you would treat a software engineering Mm -hmm. effort. It, it, It needs to have that same level of rigor of robust uh, you know agile processes employ CICD uh, mechanisms uh, for advanced uh, analytics, um, r- recognize the role of reusable microservices i mean i couldn 't emphasize this more the reusability of microservices that that for example take the take the case of demand forecasting where uh, you know you're trying to predict uh, Demand for certain products. Well, you you know, events in the past like hurricanes or floods or other natural disasters, wildfires, caused a spike in certain products or the need for certain products. Why couldn't we use that type of data? It's an anomalous event that is unlikely to to happen on a repeated basis, but that's valuable data, nevertheless. Uh, where hotspots, infection hotspots are waxing and waning. so we understand which products when are products likely to uh, to be impacted and what products are likely to be uh, impacted on the store shelf?
1: Yeah, you know, right. I think that's a great point because uh, the idea that the pandemic is such a unique event is certainly true in its scale, but not in its um, overall event. You know we have like you mentioned floods, hurricanes, Uh, natural disasters, fires, um, human disasters, including things that are almost like planned, like, you know, you have some kind of a a parade, a a concert, uh, some kind of an event that's not common, and it could disrupt and create everything from traffic to uh, demand. One other thing that you mentioned that I want to maybe just touch base on and then um, maybe give Ted a chance to talk about it from a Red Hat perspective is the idea of operational uh, efficiencies. So you mentioned uh, continuous integration, continuous delivery, CICD. Um, It's also the evolution of what we traditionally have seen applied to DevOps in the way that we develop applications and new solutions being applied to data and analytics. So terms like data ops really allow us to kind of accelerate and automate the constructs of data pipelining, orchestrations, you know, selections of infrastructure components on the fly so that you're A, doing it in a repeatable and consistent manner, and that's one of the things that you mentioned, Brian, that really caught my attention on the repeatability. And it allows you to really create that um the automation that releases your very valuable resources that might have been used to create the solution, releasing them towards higher value operations as opposed to sustain the solutions that they created and being trapped into them. Uh, And then the same thing uh, about uh, MLOps, right? The, uh, The rigors and the processes that are maybe unique to machine learning and AI implementations but follow the similar paradigm of development standard, and the tool sets and the platforms that really drive and support machine learning operations really are the uh, the game changer and allow you, as as we mentioned, to leapfrog some of those analytical uh, maturity cycles where you can go from descriptive straight into predictive. And more importantly, into embedded integration, where not only do you know and you have guidance as to what you need to do, but you also have the opportunity to execute on that knowledge um, and, you know, integrate that into your business process. Ted, maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, MLOps uh, and the way that Red Hat thinks about it and some of the uh, advances that maybe um, you guys are working on. Uh,
2: Yes, of course. Um, So machine learning is iterative, right? Events like COVID rather dramatically uh, can cause models in production to degrade over time. And that really, with the impact of COVID, really accelerated that degradation with a lot of uh, production models. So Red Hat supports ML Ops using something called GitOps at the core. So when uh, models are trained, in machine learning platforms like SAP Data Intelligence, and pushed to a, a Git image repository. This kicks off a uh, a CI/CD pipeline using a project called Tekton, which is our uh, our cloud-native CI/CD project. And those images get validated, and and add those models to a production repository called Quay which allows you to uh, create a disconnected intelligent edge. So you can do all that processing at the edge in, in cases where you don't have access to the backend data centers. We also offer something called Advanced Cluster Management or ACM. And that allows you to keep all of those edge devices and your data centers in sync by deploying and uh, distributing these applications at scale. Uh, also, ACM offers uh, auditing and compliance capabilities. So uh, we have a full end-to-end solution for the scenario you're talking about, and we we enable data scientists and and companies uh, that practice data science to uh, react to changes uh, very very quickly and in an agile fashion, um, as well as uh, you know react to in a situation where you may not have access to internet, so um, it's it's become a the ML ops story for us has become uh, front and center. Um, we're actually looking at creating a, a managed ML ops platform uh, that could work with ML uh, frameworks from SAP um, to enable that that uh, intelligent enterprise
1: great and i think one thing that you mentioned is that idea of you know the hybrid architecture right the one thing that we talk about in terms of workload modernization is that it's focused on the workload right you may have um a flow where you know workloads have interdependencies and correlations and they operate across different architectures whether you have a component of it on prem part of it in the cloud part of it in a distributed data center Um, These are constructs that should be there in support of the business process and the business workload. It shouldn't be a limiting factor. And one of the things that we uh, really work hard to is the idea that you can truly find a best fit technology and architecture component that really supports your business operations. We absolutely um, want to make sure that we enable those automation capabilities and, you know, democratize the complexities of operations through some of these repeatable, reusable, and automatable uh, components. But the, the most important part is that business flow. So, in the context of supply chain, you know, you really want to be able to Run your supply chain business, adjust to the challenges and the dynamics, and be able to do it in a cost-efficient and performance-efficient manner. So whether you're implementing um, concepts that are more unique to ML, such as like data providence or uh, drift uh, model drift support, uh, or whether you're doing more data ops optimizations, such as pipeline management and cloud resource orchestrations, um, whether you are deploying new architectural paradigms such as containerization in the cloud for repeatable component-based and secure uh, deployment of your business processes, or you're uh, doing some traditional uh, operations that are being lifted and shifted to the new platforms to take advantage of a new financial model or perhaps just new resources that are not available to you in your uh, legacy uh, paradigm. These are all uh, components of the workload modernization and it could be applied um, to most of the cases and the repeatable uh, reuse of the IT technology to support this really is um, the partnership that we're trying to drive between the traditional IT and business uh, relationships. Um, With that, uh, one of the things I wanted to just kind of end with is the idea that inspired intellect is ready and willing to engage with our clients to support them through these journeys, through these rationalizations and discussions whether it's to uh, engage at a partner level and take over a uh, portion of a project and deliver that project, or to perhaps uh, staff resources to help augment the teams that you already have in place, we have the um, ability to engage with you. And through the relationships and partnerships that we bring to the table, such as the Red Hat relationship and SAP, uh, we are able to really leverage the best-in-class technologies and experience uh, expertise in that uh, spectrum. So, you know, Inspired Intellect uh, can be reached at inspiredintellect-us.com or check out our LinkedIn page for Inspired Intellect and start a conversation. We're ready and willing to um, take this conversation forward. Brian, Ted, any other topics or uh, questions that you want to maybe round off on? Yeah, I just want to
2: say thank you for the opportunity to have this great discussion. uh, I learned a lot from the Inspired Intellect side. We really appreciate the partnership that we have with you and SAP um, and the capabilities that you have within the AI space. Uh, If anyone has questions uh, for Red Hat, you can contact us at sap at redhat.com or go to our website, redhat.com slash SAP to find out more information. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, Ginger, back to you.
0: Well, I want to say thank you to all of you guys for joining. uh, Ted from Red Hat and Alex and Brian from Inspired Intellect. Uh, My understanding is you guys also have uh, a solution for uh, order fulfillment on our App Center. Isn't that correct, Alex and Brian?
3: Absolutely yes. We we did build that out earlier this year, and uh, it's on App Center, and it actually integrates uh, both the SAP Data Warehouse Cloud and the Data Intelligence Platform, brings those two products together into a single solution.
0: So, in addition, you can go to Inspired Intellect us.com. You can find them on LinkedIn. You can reach out to Ted at Red Hat, and you can also go to the App Center and do a search on Inspired Intellect. Um, it's really great to have such brain power here that understands both uh, the the impact of of COVID and the importance of machine learning and all the decision going on, t- and. And the supply is particularly in the supply chain area, which has had such a hit. So, I just want to thank all of you all for joining us today. And hopefully, uh, we'll see you back next season on another episode of our Let's Talk Data. So, thank you guys very much. Have a good day.